From Phoenix to London. From L.A. to around the world. This is The Ticket. All sports, all the time, with your boys, former NFL Philadelphia Eagle Ray Ellis and Fan Man. Your number one fan-oriented sports talk leader, Voice America Sports. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. That's right, if it don't kill me, it will only make me stronger. And you're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. You know, it's one of those kind of things. I may or I may not have the number one co-host in the world with me, Fan Man. But when Fan Man does join us, of course, I will let everybody know. It was a great holiday weekend. And I say it's a holiday because, you know, sometimes we have to make sure that we do celebrate those who have lost their lives, particularly those veterans that have lost their life. Uh, protecting this country. You know, some of us may be for it or may be against, and that is war, but we certainly, everybody is for those who have sacrificed their lives and their loved ones who are missing them, and we miss you all. There are some veteran people in my family. I certainly appreciate everything that they've done. So uh, shout out to, you know, those veterans out there. And, uh, you know, also, let you know, let's just uh, celebrate the fact all those people who are no longer with us. If they served or not, you know, I think it's a time of which uh, Memorial Day holiday is, is a holiday of which you should reflect on that. I certainly, you know, reflect on the loss of my parents and it was something special to me to think about that. So I'm, I tell you what, I'm going to take a moment of silence because I always do that for the respect of those who are no longer with us. And, and we uh, in my fraternity, uh, fraternity of pro football players, you know, we lost uh, one of ours this weekend. Uh, I believe it was Mikhail was his uh, last name. Uh, spent a couple years with the Eagles. I know that for sure. You know, I think it was in Miami and a couple other places. And uh, he passed away, and that's being investigated. I don't know what that's all about. And uh, so let's just take a moment of silence for all those people who have lost some loved ones. Okay, that's my moment of silence. All right, listen, you're listening to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. And uh, you know, I was uh, I was privileged to talk to. Uh, you know, a former ball player out there, you know, a young man that played ball at the University of Texas. And, uh, you know, I, I told, uh, in fact, his name is uh, Bryant Westbrook. And I told Brian, listen, Brian, I got to have you on the show. Brian is one of those people who himself is very much interested in this business of Internet talk radio. And uh, we're going to be talking about a couple things. And, uh, you know, I think Bryant is on the line. Bryant, are you there? I'm here, Ray. What's going on, buddy? I'm doing all right. How you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. Listen, I believe you and your wife took a trip here to the Valley for a second, didn't you? Yeah, we're about to relocate to the Phoenix area. Uh, <laughs> we went out there last weekend. Wonderful city. Yeah, how, how do you like the weather? Actually, it was, it was great. I mean, I'm, I'm out here in Texas at the present time, and uh, with the humidity, it was 110 uh, as of yesterday. But uh, when we was out there, it was wonderful weather. Oh, well, that's great. Well, hey, listen, I, I just want to thank you for uh, for joining the show, Brian. I, you know, man, listen, I, I remember your days, and I'm going to say this, man. Even though you played at Texas, you know, they think they got some very good football in Texas, but, <laughs> you know, I'm a Buckeye man, and it's just uh, good to have you uh, uh, on the show. And uh, let, let me talk a little bit about your career, man. I mean, I, you, you, you know, playing in that secondary back there, man. You know, you one of them guys, listen, you, you like to hit, you you know, you can do it all, man. You know, looking at the game today, particularly looking at, let's say, your Detroit Lions, man. What what do you think is happening with them up there? Oh, man. Uh, I appreciate everything they did for me, honestly. But I just think that it starts at the top. And, then, and Matt Miller's a great guy, but I just think they need to uh, make some changes at, at, with the organization. Uh, 
I think um, <laughs> they need they need a lot. I mean, they let one of the best defensive linemen go, Sean Rogers. He's at Cleveland now, and I think that's really going to hurt them. And uh, you know, they got Kevin Smith, the running back out of uh, USF, I believe. So that should help them on offense. But I really think they need some help on that that the defensive line. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Brian, you 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 played, you know, with the Lions. I, I thought, if I'm not mistaken, I think you were drafted by the Lions, and then I think you finished your career with the Packers too. Am I right? Yes, sir. And then, you know, you look at there's, you know, obviously there's one franchise that's headed in one direction, another franchise having, you know, headed in the other direction, and the Packers obviously on the upside, but but then they lose Brett Favre by there. Yeah, are you following the Packers a little closely? What do you think about them? I do. I mean, I, I'm real close with Al Harris, uh, so I really follow the Packers a little bit. Um, I think, you know, with the defense they have, they can stay in a lot of ball games. I mean, and then they have an adequate running game with um, – what is it, Hart? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure of his last name, but uh, mm-hmm. I definitely think with the defense they have, they're going to stay in stay in a lot of ball games this season. And especially when you have a secondary that can cover the way they can cover, you're always in the ball game. Because we know now this is a passing league, and you definitely have to have uh, an adequate uh, secondary in order to um, sustain 16 weeks and uh, get to the playoffs. You you mentioned uh, Al Harris, man, and I got a chance to watch Al when he was in Philly, and it, you know that just shows you how good that secondary that they used to have with the Eagles was because you know they felt that he was expendable, and and Al, man, I, I remember talking to one of my former teammates, Hanford Dixon, uh, right after the NFC Championship game, and we saw Al and Plexico going at it, man. How'd you feel when you, as you was watching that game? Oh man, let me tell you something. Al Harris is the by far the best press corner in the league. When I was up in Green Bay, it was you know, towards the end of, of my career, and he had came in, and he was, I, I tell you, he practiced like he plays. I mean, he every practice he's in the receiver's face, he, him and Donald Driver used to go at it, and I was just like, this guy should be in the Pro Bowl for the last, and this was in 02, and he just finally made it last year. I was like, this guy's probably one of the best corners, if not the best corner in the league right now. Well, you know, they had Lito Shepard and uh, Sheldon Brown in Philly, you know, and them two guys did make the Pro Bowl. I mean, I, and Brian Dawkins, you know, back there, I was just telling you how good that secondary was. And I'm going to tell you, I saw Al play week in, week out, and there's no doubt in my mind, he is definitely one of the best DBs in the league. And I agree with you. I concur with the fact that the way you practice is the way you play. And Al is one of those type of players. That's the way he, you know, he shows up every Sunday because he's prepared throughout the week. And I see many times... There are guys who take off during the week. What, you, you make a comment about what do you think about that? You, the guys taking off during the week and then they show up game day and they don't perform. Well, I think that has to do with uh, maturity. I think a lot of times you see the younger guys uh, taking off a little bit um, you know, during the week. They don't realize that it's 16 weeks. It's intense. I mean, even at practice, you're fighting for a job. I think a lot of the public don't realize at practice are intense sometimes, especially with DBs and wide receivers, one-on-one drills and you know, seven-on-seven. It gets intense. And you have to, I, I live by one of that perfect practice makes perfect play. So you got to go out there and perform. And you just can't go out there like, oh, well, I'm going to study hard on Saturday, day before the game, and uh, assume that you're going to have a good game. You have to get it ready on Monday watching film, Tuesday watching film, even on your day off on Tuesday watching film. I mean, because it's definitely, it's a, it's a chess game out there. So you got to perform like you're about to go play the Russians in chess each and every week. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, man, I'm not too good in chess, but i tell you what, I, we, when, it was pra- when it was time to practice, I remember a number of times, and I, and I talked about this on the show, um, a number of times of me practicing and in practice just getting into some brawls with my, with my teammates because I was trying to bring it, they were trying to bring it, and everybody was just intense, and I, particularly when I was in Cleveland, I just remember practices being very intense in Cleveland, particularly with our DBs, you know, it was, like you said, the DBs and the wide receivers, you know, those are... 
you know, the kind of people that you want to have on on your side, especially if it's going to be a brawl, it's going to be some kind of fight. You know, all of them are very confident people, and that's the way they approach. They want to win at all times. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I still live by that motto, man. I'm a DB to the day I die, and I'm still, you know, aggressive in the things that I do. I'm, I mean, it's just part of it. And I think you have to be like that, especially at those two positions, because you're you're, you're out there by yourself, mano a mano, and you want to be. And I, I know me. I don't want anyone beating me. So I was like that at practice, games, whatever. Even if it was playing hopscotch, I'd probably be like that. Well, I, I agree with you, and that's, that was my approach, and, and it still is to this day, and I agree with you, Brian. Let me ask you something. Man, there's some things that are changing. DBs for a while there uh, didn't seem like we were, when it came to the, the, the pay scale, we were on the low end of the totem pole, and, and I'm just looking at some things nowadays, what's happening with, with first-round picks in, in, in particular, uh, you know, with Matt Ryan's uh, new contract that he just received. Here's a young man, you know, got 72 mil, of which 34.5 was guaranteed. It looks like nowadays, uh, I think the average, you know, signing bonus, the guaranteed money that first-round picks are getting now is like 11 to $11.5 million. I think these young men need to get on their job. These DBs, get on there and go get that money. Oh, my goodness. It's, a, it's unbelievable. I was just having a conversation with uh, one of my teammates, Terry Fair, and we was just like, can you believe the money they're throwing around? I, I came out of 97, and I think Orlando Pace was the number one pick. And his, his I don't know exactly what his bundle was, but I know it wasn't over near $32 million guaranteed. I mean, that's unbelievable. And I mean, it's almost as if you can have a great college year, college career, and you can be set for the rest of your life. I mean, you don't even have to make that second contract like a lot of guys in my, my era did. Well, I ain't going to say my era because I'm still pretty young, but... uh. I mean, you pretty much, if you make it to the second contract, you're pretty much set. If nowadays, if you can go first round, you're pretty much set. And that's why, you know, when I look at it, you know, I, and I'm looking at sports, and I'm looking at sports across the board, and, and I, I'm going to bring this up because I, I think I want to stay on this for the rest of the, of, of the show. You know, there there's some things that's going out around right now. There's some controversy that's going around, and it's surrounded a young man, you know, at USC, you know, which I, you know, I do like, you know, USC. I'm not going to say I don't. I think they got a good sports program, and it's a very good school. But O.J. Mayo's life is now being surrounded around some controversy. But for me, I just don't understand. It's, I think in the month of June, it's time for the National Baseball League to have their draft. I, I don't understand how you can come out if you're in the entertainment business, if you're a young actor or a young actress, if you're a singer, if you are a baseball player, if you are a golfer. Why is it that all these other sports are able to come out and become a professional, but yet and still you're looking at basketball players? Now, you gave it to them for a second, and then you take it away from them. When you're talking about so much money, when you're talking about a first-round draft pick, make it, and, and the NBA has a salary cap, so it's a little different, but still you're talking about all this money. I'm just interested, you know, when you, when you look at it, Brian, what do you think? Do you think if a young man or a young woman has the opportunity to go and provide for themselves and their family that they should be deprived the opportunity to earn a living? I definitely don't think they should be deprived. I mean, especially when you look at the, the demographics and the sports that um, that are starting to limit the guys to go early. I mean, you got basketball, I don't know the percentage of blacks in it, but they're there. And I think a lot of times what it is is maturity. And, I mean, I hate to say this, it has to do with maturity. I think if they set up a program to have somebody with these guys when they do collect the money, it would be better off. And, I, and, and, and let's just keep it real. That's what it's about. They limit these guys 
in those sports because they feel like they're not mature enough to handle the finances. And that's the bottom line. And I think we set up some to where we have somebody, somebody that's really, truly there for the well-being of the, their families and, and, and the athletes, it would be a much better place. I mean, because you don't ever see them talk about a tennis player at 16 coming out playing and, you know, they should wait till they're 21 or golf, like you said, or golf or, or whatever other sport. I mean, I, de- I definitely think it has to do with race and um, until they really, really want to come out and talk about the true issues, I mean, it's, it, they're going to, you know, they can do what they want to do with it. Well, that's interesting you make that point because Bob Costas had a show, I think it was on the uh, maybe HBO, and it was a race in sports. It was uh, various subject matters, and they were about to get into uh, race in sports, and I guess this was something that they felt that it was such a uh, a subject of which there was so much interest and so much controversy and so much to be said that I think they're going to dedicate an entire show on race and sports. I'm going to dedicate a part of my show to it when we come back. You hold on there with me, Brian. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. we got to take a break, but after we take this commercial break, we'll be right back. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. I'm Joe Wood, president of Famous Footwear. We are a proud sponsor of March of Dimes' premier walking event, March for Babies, formerly known as Walk America. More babies begin healthy lives because of March of Dimes' research and programs. And with our support, we can do even more for families all over America. One day, all babies will be born healthy, but we have to walk to get there. Join the March for Babies. Sign up at marchforbabies.org. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you're listening to rail of sports on the voice america network and uh, i have a good friend here and a fellow colleague with me brian westbrook brian played for the detroit lions 
a team called the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. And we're having a good time, man. As a matter of fact, just before we went to break, we started uh, uh, to, to teeter along the lines of talking about race and sports. And it's always a very sensitive subject, you know, and, and it's one of those things that uh, many people would rather stay away from it than actually discuss it. But, but Brian, we talked we started to talk about something that was very interesting, and, uh, and that was if the idea of not letting players become professionals had anything to do with their ethnicity, you know, them being black or being Hispanic or being whatever. I've got our East Coast correspondents with us. This is a guy by the name of Jeff Mosher. He covers everything from A to Z when it comes to football. Uh, Jeff, you there with us? Hey, Ray, what's going on? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, man. Welcome, Brian Westbrook, with us as well. Brian Westbrook's here? No, not not, not our Brian from Philly, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the original Westbrook. Yeah, and one, <laughs> and one I think is Brian, and the other one is Bryant. Am I right? I'm Bryant, exactly. That's right. Oh. There you go. Is so, uh, back, Brian that's that exactly one? right. That's right. <laughs> okay. That's Brian. Hey, but Jeff, we, we, we approached something uh, interesting here, and I'm just going to let the people figure out who's who and what's what when it comes to race as we have this discussion, because this is uh, a format of which, uh, you know, we have uh, an electronic identity. So some people know who we are, some people don't. So that doesn't. But let's talk about this, Jeff. We, we started down this road of, you know, young athletes who are prepared athletically mm-hmm. to make it to the big leagues. But for some reason or another, some sports have decided that for a while they were going to let them. Now they're not going to let them. And when you're talking about the kind of money that's being thrown around, you know, here we got a quarterback. And not to say that a high school quarterback would be ready, but let's just talk about, you know, the economics of it and, and the fact of, of how it affects one's life if they get a chance to, if they don't get a chance to get that money. Because a year in professional sports and you could be out of the game and, and guaranteed money nowadays, the quarterback's getting $34 million dollars you know, guarantee, what do you think about athletes coming out of high school or any form of entertainment or any form of employment, and if you're ready to perform and have the necessary skills, that you should have the right to do that? Let me hear your opinion about this. Um, whew, boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, no, don't let it be tough. What that's you're that. asking about is putting age restrictions on players. If they're ready, should they be, should they be like, you know, the NBA, if you're ready to play, uh, should you leave? Should you even have to go to a college for a year if you're ready for the NBA? Right. And Brian, before you came on, Jeff, Brian mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, and was very honest about it. He felt that it was race that had something uh, to do with it. And, you know, when you look at and I believe it's because when you look at the various sports, the sports mm-hmm. and, and you look at the demographics of those sports and you look at the players uh, and the restrictions in terms of age or eligibility and, and when mm-hmm. they're, they're eligible to play. When you look at the predominantly sports, which are African-Americans and, and Hispanics, you, you, you look at baseball and you look at football, and it's not allowed. Now, it could be right. that for football, those players are not mature enough. I, I'm not sure in terms of physically and yeah, mentally. I, I totally agree with that. I think football, physically, you're not mature enough to play the game. I mean, you're playing right. against guys who are 300 pounds, who, I mean, who can bench press out of this world. Now, to me, basketball, I've seen some guys in my day that could, I think could have transitioned from high school to the pros. I mean, Ed O'Bannon... But uh, the great player from UCLA, um, when I was in high school, I mean, he was awesome. And I'm pretty sure he could have made that transition. But I think football, I mean, the maturity, especially as I don't think a high school quarterback can come into the league and, you know, and, and perform well. Or I mean, someone like a DB maybe, if he's physically fast enough. 
but I don't think, you know, um, a quarterback or a defensive lineman, I think you definitely need to go to college and mature on that level. But sports like uh, basketball where, you know, you don't physically, especially if you're a guard or something like that, you physically don't have to be able to, you know, to deal with the bumps and bruises and everything like that. But football, I don't think they're mature enough ready physically or mentally. I would I would agree with Brian. I also think uh, that also transcends into baseball too, because baseball is a kind of sport where um, your body takes it's not you know you don't have a week off. You play every single night for six months, 160. You know if you're a pitcher, you're you're asked to throw 120 pitches, and some guys coming out of high school just have not developed the arm strength, so they haven't developed the physical attributes, but they also you know have not developed the 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 I guess maturity to be with a professional organization for six months, traveling around uh, a lot of money. It's, I think basketball is the one that lends itself to immediate impact out of high school, and that's been proven. We've seen guys like Kobe Bryant, like Kevin Garnett, make the adjustment faster than in other sports. But to, right, to answer your question, yeah, I, do, I definitely think that you know when the NBA put their age limit rule in, that that was an image thing, not a, not a maturity. That was an image for the NBA. And, and does that involve race? Absolutely. It involves a number of things. So, um, but so I agree with you. Yes, so the NBA has done it more for image than I think for actual self-preservation of the body. Okay. Well, let me let me just ask this. Uh, okay, you you say image, and mm-hmm. and of course, again, we talked about the brand last week, so we were trying to protect the brand. But mm-hmm. how much do, does a person mature in one year? Because that same person that you were going to give the money to when they were eighteen, now you're not going to give that money to them when they're nineteen. Mm-hmm. Do they mature that much like, in one year? Basketball player or well, I, I, you know, I, I don't if it's basketball or football. If it's a football player, instead of him coming out of high school, which you're, you're I think right. we, what's the year of difference? You're right. If a guy goes to college, does it really get so much more mature that it makes a difference now that he's making, you know, whatever how many million it is? Um, there, there could be an argument made that that whole year of college really doesn't do as much as you might think to to get a player ready for the NBA faster uh, on a maturity level. Yeah, I, I and my my personal opinion is that. I believe that that year of college, as a matter of fact, I remember when Kobe was coming out of, uh, out of high school, and I was one of those stupid people that told him he should go to college, okay? So <laughs> let, me just, let me just be honest with that. I, I made a mistake, okay? But, but here's what I believe. I do think that every young kid in the world, I don't care who you are, I think you should go to college for at least one year. I think an athlete getting an opportunity to go to college because it's different than high school. First of all, I remember when I was in high school, we oh, we're going way back. But anyway, my high school, we did stay in a hotel one night before our big game. I think they continue to do that. It's Maslin versus McKinley. We got that's a whole different feeling, a whole different of, you know, game preparation. Even you know, the meetings it it, it's, it extends beyond the normal uh, process of which we go through in preparation for a game. So those are small things, but th- those are some intangibles that are very important as, as how you prepare for a game, and particularly on a college level and now a professional level. So I, I just think that in the whole college experience of being on campus and kind of being you know, somebody, because in high school, even though you're somewhat of a celebrity, there's not too many high schools where they really treat their they're athletes as celebrities because you're still, you know, like we talked about, you're immature and they don't know if you're going to make it or not. Once I, you get into, once you get into college, now you got cameras following you every place. Now you got reporters. You're talking to reporters. You're talking to people. You now have, you know, now you have an image. Now you are considered somewhat of a of a star or superstar. And, and I just think all that kind of helps a little bit in terms of the preparation for what to expect at the next level. I think David Stern, the commissioner of the uh, NBA, hit it on the head. Where he says it gives you another year to evaluate the players. 
And in, and I think when you like in high school, you might play against one guy who's on your level. And back, I'm, I'm talking about basketball here. I think mm-hmm. you might play against one or two guys who are on your level. In college, that boosts up. So you're going against guys who are pretty much comparable to your talents. And it does give you another a year to evaluate the guys. I mean, like O.J. Mayo, I mean, he was the number one player, in, I think, coming out of high school a year ago. And I wouldn't say he's the number one player now, but it gave him a year to evaluate, you know, let's say his jump shot against top-flight guards or, you know, guys who are mature to him. Because that's what he's going to face now that he's going to the NBA. He's definitely going to be a top five, uh, definitely going to be a lottery pick. But I think it gives you, it does give you a year to evaluate the talent because, I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys who do come to the NBA who are right out of high school and don't pan out, who are not the Kevin Garnett or the Kobe Bryant or the, you know, the Perkins for the Celtics. Uh, so I think it, I mean, I, I would say it helped. I mean, I actually love college. I'm kind of, for my own selfish reasons, I wish that, you know, the guys did have to go to college because I don't think college basketball is the same as it mm-hmm. used to be, you know, when I was growing up when you had. I very much agree with you on that. UNLV, you know, mm-hmm. I, I used to sit there on Saturdays and Sundays. I wouldn't even go outside during you know during the day to right. watch those games. I mean, I can't find those games anymore nowadays. Right, and and Bryant does a great job of showing how th- this is such a, a gray area. I think because you know there are opponents of the age limit in the NBA, and there are people who are in favor of it, and both really present solid arguments for why the, you know the other is wrong, or why it's good, or why it's bad. It's really a, a gray area. You want to convince me that that year, extra year that you make a kid go to college, is good for the kid and good for the NBA and the teams gives them more time to evaluate, I'm sold. I, I believe that. I believe there, there's truth to that. You want to also tell me, though, that a kid's got a right to make a living if he's ready for it. Well, I believe that, too. So it's not an easy issue, and, some, and sometimes there's no clear winner or loser in the battle. Well, uh, you know, I, and again, I don't want to, I'm going to throw a friend's name out there because she actually w- was here visiting my wife and I alone and a lot of other friends this weekend, and she is an assistant commissioner for the Ohio High School Athletic Association. Her name is Roxanne Price, and I had a discussion with her, a, a short dis- and brief discussion about it, and there is some controversy. I'm not sure that everybody's sold on the fact that if what they're doing now is the right thing or the wrong thing, because I will tell you, I mean, I'm a basketball fan too, and at the Ohio State University, I didn't appreciate the fact that it's one and done. I mean, we go to a national championship with we got four what freshmen, you know, number one picks, and then it's over with. You know, I don't think that is good for college basketball. I really don't think that is. I and then agree you, with you on that, and I, like Ryan was saying, I think it's really hurt the game itself. And when you and when we look at that part of it. You know, many times, you know, and that's, that's again, now we're going to go back to the race thing because, again, of four African-Americans, you know, and many people, when they come out, it's always thrown out there that these are urban kids, these are poor kids, you know, p- their parents are not so well off. But that is not always the case. And in the case of those individuals, I don't think that was the case. And, and, and I, w- I would just say this, I-, I think it really comes down to, again, it's all about money, and there are just so many other people that are benefiting. They're trying to clean up their sports. There's so many other people that are making money off of these young kids, and I think these people are just becoming more savvy, business savvy, the athletes and their parents, and they are just not you know, going to be content with the fact that, wait, hold on, everybody else is making money off of us. If you think about it, when you talk about amateur, whether you're a, a musician or you're an actor and you're in the school plays and all that, the money is so much different when it comes to athletics as opposed to these other things. And that's the part where these people feel as if, hey, I could get injured tomorrow. My career could be over with. If I have a chance to do it, why can't I just go ahead and do it? And, and, and that's, that, that's the part I think that uh, we've we got to look at the money. We can't leave the money out of this thing. 
And that's the bottom line. I mean, <laughs> money is, rules everything. And I think if college players were to get paid, it would be a totally different story. But we know that's not going to happen. I mean, they're bringing in millions of dollars to the program, and yet they don't get to reap any of it, reap, reap the benefits of it. And I think that's one of the problems I have with today with college basketball is the fact, or college sports period, is the fact that we bring in so much money and the, the player doesn't get to reap the benefits of it. Well, what about the argument that the player gets the, the free scholarship? Hey, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. There. I'm going to have to interrupt you. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. Whenever there's music, we got to take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. I want to be as free as the spirits of those who left. I'm talking Malcolm Coltrane, my man, you The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. If you love sports and like food, or like sports and love food, or are anywhere in between, Sports Bites might just become one of your favorite ways to spend your lunch break. Broadcasting Thursdays at 12 o'clock noon on the West Coast, it's Sports Bites with Chef Die, a delicious, enlightening, and entertaining mix of sports, food, and celebrity athletes. Yummy. Don't miss Sports Bites with Chef Die, Thursdays at noon on the Voice America Sports Channel. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports that's right you listen to ray the sports on the voice america network uh we have a great discussion here today i thank everybody for uh, who's listening out there in the event you would like to call in you can call in at 866-472-5788 that is a toll-free number. At the moment, I have Jeff Mosher with us, and uh, Jeff is our East Coast correspondent. And we also have uh, Bryant Westbrook with us, you know, a great DB for the Detroit Lions, Cowboys, and the Packers. And we started to address something before we went to that break, and Jeff had brought up the fact that Bryant had mentioned something about the scholarship, and, and, and Jeff said, hold on, what about the free scholarship that you get because you're not paid as athletes, the free scholarship. And I just want to say this, Jeff, because I've had many conversations with people about that. 
And my only problem with that, I'm going to give you an example. If it were free, you would not have to play football. There would be no contingencies upon that in terms of if you don't go to practice and you don't play on this team and you're not, you, 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 you don't get it. But so it's not free because people just can't line up and get it. You well, know? How, does that have to, how does that differ from an honor student who gets a scholarship but has to maintain a 3.25 GPA? Oh, that's exactly. Unless you maintain your GPA. No, but see, there's some requirements there. And that is if you don't get, first of all, if you don't qualify, you don't get it. So you have to qualify. So it's not like a 2.0 student can get a free scholarship. You have to be, you have to make the sacrifice of going to class every day, getting the right grades, and then you've earned the right to get this. And this is what your compensation is. I just think that. The compensation, you know, it's almost like the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Well, the revenue is generated doesn't necessarily, you know, go in hand in hand with the kind of money that's being made. Well, I hear that and I've heard the argument. And let me say, they're making. As, I just got an email. They're making millions. Of, go ahead. I'm me, sorry. Well, let me say, is I'm not against money because I, I, to me, what's how can you enjoy the college experience if you're at college but you can't go out and and have dinner or go, or go to see a movie. That It's a terrible thing, and if you're not in a situation where you can do that, then it almost defeats the purpose of a good college experience. So I'm not against money of some sort. But I will put this under the be careful what you ask for category. Because yeah. if you have players who receive money based on, say, jersey sales or certain mar- marketing, then you're going to start to say, well, hey, maybe the quarterback who has his or the running back who, who gets his jersey sold a lot more than the fifth-string linebacker, he, he gets more money, and then he gets a bigger cut. Now, we know how professional athletes are judged by fans by the dollar that they make right now. You know, they can have a pretty good year, but it's not good enough unless they don't do this or that. How is that going to translate to the college game? If you have college athletes getting money for their jersey sales, and how are fans going to judge them then? It's going to be, I think it's a slippery slope when you start talking about giving college athletes money based on jersey sales or anything of that marketing and promotioning type because then you're just giving more ammunition to criticize them even more if, if the team doesn't win a championship or if the quarterback doesn't throw 100 touchdowns. And it's going to be kind of counterproductive. Well, I definitely understand where you're coming from, but I think equal compensation wouldn't be bad. I mean, my whole thing is you're bringing in millions of dollars. Even though those students are getting three point fives or, or whatever they're getting. Me and my wife have this discussion all the time. She's an ER physician, and mm-hmm. we have this discussion all the time, and she definitely agrees with you, Jeff. But I just think, you know, with all the money you bring in, because those students, to me, I mean, from, from my end, I don't see them bringing in $5 million to go to a bowl game or $15 million, whatever we get for the bowl games and, mm-hmm. and everything like that. They, I, I think equal compensation for all the players wouldn't be bad. I mean, not just single out the star sure. player on the team, but just give money to all the guys on, on, on the on the particular team and just yeah, to add I, on to what it's, it's a good raise a good point i'm not again like i said i'm not against a stipend or something like that because i do really feel that you miss out on the college experience if you are a person who can't afford to even go out and have a dinner or take someone on a date or something like that hey but, jeff um, and just you know, to also, add i mean you look at you went to the university of texas right they have the most one of the most beautiful facilities in the country for athletes and, and so, you know i went to penn state and i've seen their their top notch too and and these big-time schools who are making big-time money, they do put it back in the program for the kids. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. you guys have advantages as far as working out and where your facilities that you know maybe a one double A kid would never have or anything like that. So it's another gray area where there's that difficult balance to strike, where how much would be too much or too, how much is too right. little. Well, I can say this: uh, it's certainly you know, and Brian, you're you're familiar with this, and Jeff, you are too. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like when they ar- arrive. Uh, at the hotel because they have an away game and you pick up your keys and you pick up your per diem. 
you know, all they have to do is increase those per diems. You know, they, they can increase the, uh, the amount of laundry money. I mean, there are a number of ways of which they could certainly do it, and there's enough to go around. I, I, I often talk about this. The NFL has, uh, you know, with their revenue-sharing model they have, there's, a, there's a, a modified version of that of which they could share with NC2As. I'm sure they sh- share a lot of other things with them uh, because it's just a feeder system for the National Football League. So I'm sure they could, you know, share something with them in terms of how to compensate people equally based upon the colleges and university they attend. Mm-hmm. i tell you what it would what it would eliminate, what help eliminate is uh, the situation like O.J. Mayo's going through uh, at the particular time as far as the agents because if you're giving the guys some type of conversation that's comparable or, you know, some type of conversation that's comparable to, uh, well, I can't even compare because I don't even want to go to the particular <laughs> amount, but you definitely would eliminate a lot of these problems that they're having with the guys coming out of college, you know, coming in, coming to the pros and have issues with the agents. Well, Brian, here's you know what, what I, I thought. I, at one point, I, I, I thought that was true, Brian, but uh, the more I thought about it, then I thought, you know what, that's really not going. It, it's only going to make guys have to give away more money. You know, oh, I'll take care of your family and your your uh, your, your other your you know even more so. You, you, you know, now it's like here, I'll give you this. This will be good for you and your family. Well, here now it's good for you, brothers. You know, everything like that. It almost to me makes the sharks more hungry. And, Jeff, I think you make a very interesting point. I do not think it's the college. I don't think it is, you know, the professional teams. Mm-hmm. I think it's those people that are in between. It's the Sharks that are out there are the ones who've created this market, so to speak, because of, of their desire to, to get a hold of these athletes and for them to make the money. I don't think, as a matter of fact, and years ago it used to be that way. The money used to come from many of the alumni, but now the money that everybody's so concerned about is coming from these runners or coming from these people who work for these agents that are trying to put money into these players' pockets so that they could secure representation for these players. Is that what, is, is that what you think is happening out there, Brian, or you think something else is going on? I definitely I mean, the runners are definitely going out there, opening up the briefcase, and if you have a bigger briefcase and more money in it, the players are definitely going to lead. Well, not all players. Some players have integrity, and they're going to, you know, shy away from it. But, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, if, you know, we talked about it earlier, if you're living in, if, you know, somewhat of poverty, and, you know, you have an agent come and say, hey, well, I'll give you 13000 15000 your mom this much money. I mean, you're going to bite on it. And then you feel obligated as a player because we do have a lot of integrity, and you feel like we have to go with this guy because he's taking care of our family. I mean, and you, you're tied into it. It's not right, but it's not going. It's not going to change. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to change either, Jeff. And I mean, uh-huh. I think the penalties out here. Uh, see, the teams are, are are under you know scrutiny all the time. So I think the teams have their act together. I I truly do. And 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 when you talk about race, we go back to race and. It, when you look at the demographics without having all the other information in front of you, it does seem a bit racist that the black athlete doesn't get a chance to go in and become a professional athlete and make money. But when you look at it, you know, in the big picture, well, it's just a delay effect because he eventually gets it. Mm-hmm. But when you when you look at these guys and I, I mean, they, they're shady people. And it's a shady business, and it's really just jeopardizing the future of these athletes. And I'm a little concerned now even about their health because all of a sudden when you get caught up now, O.J. Mayo, and I, I don't think this agency that he's involved with, uh, I, I think they're a pretty reputable firm with the exception of, uh, again, you know, they perhaps maybe broke some rules. But I, you, I don't know about these runners. I, I've, I've met a couple of them in my day, but I don't know about these runners. And it's like you put some money out on the street, and all of a sudden you didn't, you didn't deliver it. There could be one of these guys could end up with a broken leg, broken arm, or either, you know, mm-hmm. uh, six feet under. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm scared. to me, runners are like, you know, they're the, they're the athletic version of lobbyists in Washington who are there to only represent their people, and they'll do whatever it takes to, you know, get their special interest group taken care That's of it. by a politician. And we've seen in politicians, you, there's money uh, behind the scenes, there's, there's people who wind up dead. I mean, you're right, it's a, it's a slippery slope, and unfortunately, there's not the type of legislation to eliminate these kind of people and, their, and, their, and their, what they do. Well, I, I certainly hope that they're able to do something because it's, uh, you know, a, a kid like O.J. Mayo, you know, who, you know, is a very good basketball player. And I, and I think the year uh, of him being in school, I think that certainly did help him because I think there were f- a few flaws in his game that, that showed up. And, you know, perhaps yeah. maybe, uh, you know, him, you know, being in college, uh, you know, it will help him and it will help his career moving forward. But listen, guys, I want to I want to uh, kind of change the subject a little bit. You know, we. Uh, you know, got some NBA stuff going on here, and I know we got some basketball fans here, man. And we can't just have all football fans here when we're, you know, <laughs> we got to have a little bit of basketball here. And, uh, you know, the, the series is coming down. I, I, you know, at the beginning, I really thought Boston was going to run away with the whole thing, but it looks like Detroit has some life, and, and I'm not sure Boston's going to make it out of the East Coast over there. Jeff, what do, what do you think about that? You know what? I, you know, and, and this speaks for not just Boston, but I guess the, the, the last, you know, the both, both series going on right now. I guess I'm a little disappointed. I thought that these were going to be two classic series at East and West. I mean, four great teams, and it just seems like the the team on the road doesn't really want to play any defense in this series, and the the team that that wins by 20 is going to lose by 20 the next game. You haven't really seen those classic showdowns uh, that that you've expected, and and I I kind of expected a little bit more from Boston. Uh, I thought they might have learned their lesson after they struggled in the first round, but, you know, that's apparently the type of team they are. They're only going to play when their back's up against the wall. Well, I, I expect the Texas man, you know, to probably be rooting for, you know, a Texas team. But, you know, I, I think I think Kobe, I, you know, Kobe, all of a sudden now, Kobe has confidence in this team that he obviously didn't have in last year's offseason because he's not even worried about this most recent loss. Okay. The Spurs going to come through and take it all or what? Well, let me start by saying I'm, I grew up in California, and I may be the only person in Texas going for the Lakers right about now. <laughs> so, uh, let me just, luckily, I'm, luckily, I'm in my house, so I won't get jumped or anything out in the streets. But uh, I am a Lakers fan, first off, and I don't think the Spurs have a chance of winning this series. Well, you know only what? Because, only because I think Kobe lit a fire under his guys this offseason. And a lot of people think, you know, sport athletes and all this, but these guys have – Integrity. They have, you know, they they want to win. They want to win. I don't care what's going on because their peers are what they look up to, and you know they have to play for those guys. And I think the Lakers are definitely going to come out, and you know the, the bench is going to perform tonight, and and we're going to get a victory. And I, I can't say we. Well, yes, I can because I am a Lakers fan. But yeah, you you, you can I'm say not, we. It's I okay. Go for it. Ray talks about the Buckeyes like he's still playing, and it's all the time. So that's hey, all man, right. you know, once it's in your blood, it stays there. You know. <laughs> All right, guys, we got some music, so we have to take a commercial break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Hold on, guys. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Wake up, child. He'll get you out of that to your head. 
JackLaLane.com presents Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how. Three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Take a look inside the country's fastest-growing professional sports organization. Join Robbie Kendall for Inside the ABA on the Voice America Sports Channel. The show will feature weekly interviews with the owners, players, coaches, and influential league executives. Tune in and be a part of the fastest-growing sports organization in the world. You can hear Inside the ABA every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. That's right, Rayelis Sports on the Voice America Network. That's what you're listening to. I'm Rayelis, your host, along with, of course, our East Coast correspondent, Jeff Mosher. And we also have uh, Bryant Westbrook with us. Bryant, of course, played ball with the Detroit Lions, the Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, and went to the University of Texas. Listen, I, I, I want to say something. But that's okay, Brian. Listen, man, I, I admit it. To one of my shortcomings early in, I told Kobe he should go to college. Kobe, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I made a mistake, but but I'm with you on this one. I I I'm, man, I am a Kobe Bryant fan. I, I think that man plays the game with the intensity. He's as prepared as any player there ever will be, there ever was. I, I just think he's a great basketball player. I think he has proven to everybody that he can make his teammates better. He can make the team better. I think he's proven. Uh, to, uh, you know, to his coach, Phil Jackson, that, uh, you know, somebody you might see as a, a, a player who is, uh, you know, I, I don't know, very high maintenance, you know, can convert himself and become very coachable. I think Kobe's always been coachable, but he, but he had to adapt over the years. So I'm going for the Lakers. I think it's going to be the Lakers and the Celtics uh, because I think the Celtics will, will, will pull it out, man. But I, you know, those are two great teams, and I think that'd be a great final. Jeff, uh, you you think that could happen like that? That the Lakers and the Celtics could possibly end up there? Yeah, I think it could, but I don't think it will. Um, 
you know what? I, I until the Spurs, you got to show me. That's what I'm saying. You got to prove to me you can beat the Spurs. Oh, a Missouri guy out, here. They've been out. They've, they're champions. They know how to win. You know, they almost saved themselves for for the playoffs the way they play in the regular season. Now, I will admit that they're getting exposed a little bit as an aging team that probably needs to get a little bit more athletic and younger in the offseason if it wants to continue to be a dominant team. But as long as they got Tim Duncan, as long as Tony Parker's there, uh, I think Manu Ginobili will be the X factor by the time it's said and done, and I think the Spurs will make it. So you're going to take experience over talent? Everything. Well, you know, when you say talent, I mean... How much are you saying that they're not as talented as Lakers because they got three? I'm rings. saying that Kobe Bryant is the greatest player on the on the planet but right that's now. That's one guy. I'm, uh, overall, yeah, but basketball, you know what? Talented team, I think it's the first. But I, I think I think when you surround a great player with some good players, mm-hmm. that great player could will his team to win, and that's where they, that's what happened this year. That's what Kobe has done. Well, and I, and I'm not I just. I think what you have is a matchup of two immortals. You have Kobe and you have Tim Duncan. Now they play different positions. Um, and, and Kobe obviously has a more impact on the game because the ball is in his hand. And let's face it, he's the only guy in the NBA who, if he needed to score 70 or 80 points, can do it. So I do think that is a big X factor, but that doesn't happen in the playoffs. Guys don't do go off for 60, 70 points. Uh, okay, you know, Maybe once in a while. I know Jordan did once against the Heat. But, you know, I, I think it's going to come down to experience. Okay, Brian, I know you, you had something to say. I heard it, man. Go ahead. I think this year Lakers have a complete team. In the past, I think we would always just talk about Kobe in the playoffs, and we see that that didn't help because they didn't get out the first round. But I think with Pau Gasol, with Lamar Odom being the number three option now, they're more of a team now. You can see guys coming. I mean, the last five years, you didn't have guys come off the bench and hit threes and have 12 and getting double figures. I think this year... With those added, with those added players, you know, uh, Sasha Vujacic and you know my man Luke Walton from San Diego, he uh, <laughs> he, he plays well still. I just think they're a complete team now. I even heard someone say this might be the best team the Lakers had since the Shaq. Well, even when Shaq was on the squad in uh, you know in, in uh, 2001, I believe. You can't believe uh, that though. No, you no, no. Whoever team. said that to you is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This I, team. I, I don't agree with them. I don't agree with them because Shaq is probably by far the best center to ever play the game. I know at least mm-hmm. in my era. But I just think that the Lakers have a complete team, and Kobe doesn't have to score 45, 50 points in order for them to win. He can score 19, and, and they can win the ball game because you have complimentary players doing their part and playing their playing the game. Now on the East Coast. I'm, I'm, I really believe that the Celtics are going to lose it. I think the, I think Detroit Pistons have a lot more uh, vet. Well, I can say I shouldn't say veteran players because they're both about pretty much veteran team. But I just think the players have a little bit more. They wanted more Detroit. So what you're saying is this is funny though, because I kind of agree with you. Experience in the Eastern Conference is going to win out over talent, right? Because you would have to think that a team with Garnett and Ray Allen and uh, Paul Pierce has more talent. Yeah. than the, the Pistons, but it looks like the Pistons play with a little bit more experience, right? And a little more passion, a little more, uh, to me mm-hmm. it seems like that. Especially what, like you said, when you mentioned earlier, back against the wall. It uh-huh. seems like when the Pistons back against the wall, they come out fight. They come out swinging. Right. And that's funny because that's my argument for why I think the Spurs are going to beat the Lakers. <laughs> well, you got, hey, listen, guys, you guys can only, when you talk about experience, you must just be talking about playoff experience because, you know, you got, you know, Ray Allen, and I think Ray... You know, after all these years to finally get a chance, I, I know he's just killing himself at night because his mm-hmm. performance has been, you know, he's not even showing up at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, and then you got Kevin Garnett, you know, Ke- again, Kevin, you know, and, and they say he keeps coming through. But no, if Kevin was coming through for his team like he needs to, they, they should have won these these two games that, that, that uh, they, t- they lost against the Pistons because it's his time to show up. He has his supporting cast. And I just think in terms of 
uh, talent. I think if you look at the beginning of the year, the Celtics had more talent on paper, and they didn't have the playoff experience. But in years of, of playing, I think they had more experience. And I, and I just thought once they got to this point right now that the Celtics were going to take over and the Lakers will be there. So let me say this about the Lakers, though. I don't think that after, let's say, after three years from now, I doubt if you stop the average person on the street, if they can tell you who was on this team besides Kobe Bryant. I, I, this, this team is not <laughs> – I don't think they're one of the greatest teams that they've had. Uh, you know, but that's just my opinion. But let me switch the subject because we're about to go. Yeah, I found out that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be featured on Hard Knocks. I love it. I love it. I was actually on that show before. Is that right, man? I mean, you, I've always thought that they just – the cameras just were not there. And, and, and I'm telling you, Brian, I know you will agree with me. There has never been a better, a more a realistic uh, reality show, reality TV, than trying out for a National Football League team. I mean, man, it is like, wow. I mean, the reality, the reality of competing against somebody who wants your job. It, there's, it, there's nothing hidden about this at all. I want your job. You do the best you can. Step aside. It's my turn to do it. Then at night, the pink slip is under your door and not mine. And you know what? You have to you have to deal with that each and every year. I don't care how long you've been in the league, how, how many years you played. You have to deal with that each. I don't know any other job like this. You have to deal with this each and every year because you always gonna have some young guys come in who's faster, stronger. You know who who can deal with the the, the whole concept of the NFL, the the league and everything. And uh, I mean it was. Like, well, I remember when I was in Dallas. I got there in two thousand two, I believe. And uh, we had the hard knock life. And you, you know, at the beginning, you would say, "Okay, the camera's here. Let me act out a little bit." But mm-hmm. after that first practice, <laughs> it's back to normal. You're like, "Look, I gotta fight my job. I gotta really go out here." And you don't even, you don't even think about the camera. And it, I mean, I, I tell you, I mean, I had a wonderful time in Dallas for my one game. I got cut out the one game, so I really. <laughs> but I tell you, that's a great organization, though. It really was. Well, I'll tell you what they they have found. You know, Jerry Jones, you you got to give him credit. This man finds a way to keep his team in the media. You would think that the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl last year. I don't even hear anything about the Giants out here, but Dallas is constantly in the media and you know they're America's team again they didn't even win the Super Bowl and they're mm-hmm. still America's team listen guys it's getting close to that time I've got to I got to do a little plug here man I got some homeboys that are doing some good things you know and it's, it's time to hear about some good things but Troy Smith and Josh Cribs are having a celebrity golf tournament in Cleveland Ohio it's going to be Monday June 16th and it's for the Cleveland Muni Football League little boys Ted Ginn played in that league Troy played in it Dante Whitner played in it. They're going to have a celebrity golf tournament. If you can afford to do it, participate, please. Call in number Wendell Robinson at 216-221-3992. Hey, guys, thanks for joining the show. As always, I've had a great time. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Because I promise I'll be gone for a while When you see